This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for July 28th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You could follow us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to d- donate to the show, it is certainly not required, but it would be greatly appreciated. Just click the link in the show notes or go to our s- website on Red Circle, click the red button. It could either be a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation, and again, not required and just deeply appreciated. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Case Lowe. And Case, we're in the hot season now. It really feels like that. We, it's been long, and it's been difficult. We've missed some things, but they're about to do this. But we have a big show to talk about coming up this weekend. Look, I don't want to tell anybody how to spend their money. But if you're listening to this show now, you are in for a busy August between all of the current Dragon Gate content that is going down, between our Dragon Gate USA Rewind and Rewatch series, which comes out every Monday, and maybe in August, maybe there's going to be a special bonus episode or something. Who knows? Anything could happen. Because you're right, Mike, it is the hot period of Dragon Gate, and we have so much stuff this month that is making tape. Eight different shows in August that will air live on the Drangate Network, and it kicks off August 2nd with Memorial Gate and Wakiyama. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, this is, it's something that, like, we had July, where everything kind of was getting back to some normalcy, as much as normalcy is, and now it's on. And it's going to be on, like, barring, hopefully everything holds up and things on, basically through December guys so if you're someone who listens to the show and you're like i like following the promotion but i don't know if it's time for me to really get into this promotion or it seems so complicated there's no better time than now to get aboard dragon gate because it's going to get wild it's going to get fun and we're going to be you're basically for the next two months you're gonna have some of the most trademark dragon gate stuff you can get into case you could you could tell how pumped i am talking about this let's get into the show itself before we get into talking about memorial gate there was one last televised show in july but after that we will talk about memorial gate we'll take a look ahead to august as there's a lot of stuff coming up in august including cork and then the lead up we're getting a cage match in less than 60 days case this is a wild thing like of course i would rather things be like dead or alive cage match kobe world and then the road to dangerous gate and we go on from there but it's a thrilling time in dragon gate there's so much young talent 
I'm so intrigued by what they are going to do with the generational warfare that is going on between the Drangate army, the Torium on Trueborns, and R.E.D. I'm arguably more interested to see how it ends than the overall journey and how they get there, but I'm enjoying the ride so far. And if there was ever time, we have talked since its inception about the Drangate network, all of its flaws, this and that. Well, you know, if you're not really a hardcore fan, maybe you shouldn't subscribe. If you are looking to even dip your toes into the water this month, if you are someone looking to try this out and you're listening to this podcast as a primer, I promise you, at least for the month of August, pay for the Drangate Network. It is going to be well worth your time. Like I said, eight live shows airing in August. But before we before we talk about those, Mike, a Kobe Sambo Hall show, our dreaded <laughs> nightmare. It's the one thing more than anything else that takes a toll on your mental health and mine as well. It is these dreaded Kobe Sambo Hall shows. But this one wasn't too bad. It wasn't outstanding, but it wasn't too bad. So for new fans and people who are jumping on new fans, our reluctance about Kobe Samba Hall is Kobe is their home venue. They pretty much treat this as like the most house show, taped show possible. But since they're back, attendance was at 362 outside of Cork, and this was their highest attendance that they've had given the COVID restrictions. In case you're right, I mean, it, it was a two and a half hour show. A lot of that was with Mike Work setting up stuff for Wakayama. All in all, you know, nothing over really overstated its welcome, and we ended up having a really fun main event. So all in all, I can't, like, I remember 2018, 2019, you would be getting late night messages from me where I'm just, like, practically on the edge of tears talking about these shows out of boredom. This was not a boring Kobe Sambo Hall show. No, not at all. And, you know, 2018, 2019, my schedule wasn't as permitting. We weren't necessarily doing audio on all of the shows, so I wasn't reviewing the Kobe Samba Hall show, so I was like, Mike, baby, I'm not a completist, all right? I don't need to watch this undercard Kobe Samba Hall match, uh, but Mike did, and I saw the slow mental decay of Mike Spears throughout these past 18 months before COVID. He was, he was losing his mind before it was cool to quarantine. He would be up late at night watching these Kobe Samba Hall shows that were uh, worse than watching paint dry. But like he said here, we got a great main event with Naruki Doi, Masato Yoshino, Shuji Kondo, and Genki Horiguchi defeating Eita, Big R, Shimizu, Kaito Ishida, and Yo. And what was, you know, unequivocally the best match on the show, I went three and three quarters with it. I will also say just other recommendations. Uh, this show is off the network, unfortunately, but hey, maybe you're, you know, sailing the high seas and, and maybe you find it somewhere out there on the internet. I think Ben K and Dragon Daya versus Kazuma Sakamoto and Diamante is also well worth your time. A painless show, one that I watched in one sitting, and the main event made it completely worthwhile, as not only do we continue the journey of Naruki Doi and Eita before their Memorial Gate match this weekend, we also got more Shuji Kondo goodness, the guy that returned to the promotion full-time after a 15-year exodus. He dominated once again in this match. Shuji Kondo hit the ground running with his return, and I have been stunned at just how well he has meshed with the current Drangate environment. And I feel kind of like it'd be difficult to apply a war to someone that's been around for so long. Shuji Kondo might be the most improved wrestler of 2020 just because of the time off and him being able to sink his teeth into things. We got a big beef off between him and uh, Shimizu in the main event. He hit the Lenzarse on Shimizu, which was like, what the hell? 
Like, seriously, what the hell, Shichikado? You're in your 40s. You're lifting up a big boy and spiking him to the mat with authority. It was a great time, that main event. I was three and three quarters as well. We'll get more into the finish as we start talking about Memorial Gate and how the finish might play into Memorial Gate. But yeah, I thought that the Binke Daya versus Kazma and Diamante match, we weren't, we weren't going to go super heavy into this card. I will read off the results towards the end. It's an interesting match. It was a very good match. I mean, Daya, for anyone who's like, oh, we have this great awakening of North American flyers, especially American flyers on the indies that I get to see on GCW and other places in PWG. Let me show you to a 21-year-old young man who is, at this time, not even reaching his peak ability. Geki Horiguchi has said that there's stuff that this guy can do that will blow our minds. And he does simple things so well that, like, he does, like, this twisting to Harris on Diamante that was incredible. Kind of question a little bit the fact that that Daya was the person that lost and that and that Diamante was the person that was going to take the fall, to get the win here. Like, they're going to give Diamante the win here. Like, that's my only question about this match, but it was another really fun performance. Uh, Mochizuki and uh, Susumi Yokosuka and the opener was fun as well. And just all in all, like, this was... When the show comes back up on the network, it probably will within next month unless you, you have other means. It's worth sitting down and watching. And this is, like, one of the few times I've been, like, King of Gate time. I'm like, go watch this Kobe Sambo Hall show. And it just was a good time had by all and really was like a great go home show for Memorial Gate. Yeah, we took a week off from our weekly updates last week because there was simply nothing happening other than house shows. And now we we cycle back up and Memorial Gate is on the horizon. We're going to do a full card breakdown of Memorial Gate. But before we do that, Mike, I think uh, even for some well-versed Strandgate fans, they might not entirely know the deal with Memorial Gate. Do you want to explain I guess the history of the show a little bit. Yeah, I will in one second. Just run. I wanted to run down the results just so they're on audio before. Oh, go ahead. Yes, do that. Yeah. Uh, opener or match zero was Yuzushi Kanda beating Problem Dragon Monday Ryu with the Ryus in three minutes forty seven seconds. Mochizuki and, and Yokosuka defeated KZ and Santa Maria. Yokosuka over Santa Maria with the Yokosuka cutter. Uh, Benkei and Dragon Daya lost to Kazuma Sakamoto and Diamante. It was Diamante with the Vuelta Finale in 12 minutes and 6 seconds on Dragon Daya. Keisuke Akuda defeated uh, Kagatora in a very complicated match. That it, it, it was a high kick. It was a high kick after a whole lot of just shenanigans that happened. And then we had a Toriyama versus Dragon Gate 6-man. Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Ryo Saito losing to Yamato, Kai, and Strong Machine J. It was Strong Machine J with the machine suplex on Rio Saito. Koto Minora and Jason Lee continue their winning ways going into Memorial Gate as they defeated one half of the Open the Twin Gate champions, BB Hulk, along with Takashi Yoshida. Yoshida was the one who picked up the fall, and Doi defeated Ada in the main event with a Bakatari sliding kick. So, Memorial Gate in Wakayama is a newer show on Dragon Gate's schedule. Only really started happening in 2012, if I'm right. Just off the top of my head, right? You you are correct, Mike. And it kind of became like this bigger event in March. Traditionally, it's in March, obviously, this year. We didn't have it. And it was the the replacement for Compilation Gate, which if you've listened to Rewind and Rewatch, we actually talk about the events that led up to what have been the last Compilation Gate 
Originally, they were doing shows every March in Sumo Hall. This was their big Tokyo Sumo Hall show. And then the tsunami of March 11th, 2011 happened. And they basically, to my knowledge, I think they just were like, okay, we're not running the show again. There might have been some issues with deposits not coming back or they lost their deposit. And then they looked over to Wakayama. This traditionally was a sold show. And it was a sold show because it was done by a broadcasting network that is under, I believe, the larger aegis of Gaora and the Gaora's parent company. And it's kind of evolved over time into like this now bigger show. And this kind of was a perfect time for them to put it right back into it before we start getting to the traditional big shows. And that's like my quick uh, couple-minute explanation of it but case you have the cards pulled up for wakayama and there's some interesting stuff that kind of will get you an idea of what wakayama used to be what wakayama pretty much has been since like 2019 yeah there's shows that up until last year when they finally went when 2019 memorial gate finally hit dragon gate network i have not seen any of these shows because they were not broadcast on tv to my knowledge they were only available through DVD, which you could purchase through either the Dragon Gate Home Store or Amazon Japan. So, you know, take, for instance, 2012, matches like Pac and Rich Swan versus Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi, Ricochet versus KZ in a main event of the Jimmies against Tozawa, Hulk, and Cyber Kong against Shima Dragon Kid and Masaki Mochizuki. I mean, there's stuff like that littered throughout these cards. 2013, in the midst of Shima's epic title reign, you've got Shimmy versus Jimmy, er, Shima versus Jimmy Kanda in the main event. 2014, a Twin Gate match headlined the festivities. Akira Tozawa and Shingo versus BB Hulk and Naruki Doi in a match that I haven't seen that I would really like to see. And also, uh, the only match from Flamita's Brave Gate run of 2014 that I haven't seen, uh, it's the match where I believe he actually wins the title against Genki Horiguchi. Uh, to 2015, for instance, there's a six-way match with Shima, Shingo, Ryo Saito, Yamato, Keizi, and T-Hawk. That was building up to Dead or Alive that year in a main event of, once again, the Jimmies against the short-lived Daya Hearts unit of Big R Shimizu Dragon Kid, Masaki Mochizuki, uh, 2016 headlined uh, by a feud that a few years later nearly drove me away from the company I love the most. <laughs> 2016, in the midst of Shingo Takagi's greatest run as a professional wrestler, he faced off against Ryo Saito. I'm sure this match is fine because at the time Shingo could do no wrong, but when these two wrestled in 2017 and 2018, it made me legitimately question life decisions I had made because I hated their matches so much. But things got better in 2017. An Open the Brave Gate title tournament featuring Jimmy Kagatora versus KZ, Yasuke Santamaria versus L. Lindemann, and the finals of Kagatora versus L. Lindemann, and a main event of Ben K, Big R, Shimizu, and Naruki Doi versus Shingo, T-Hawk, and Brother Yashi, which sounds like a lot of fun. 2018 headlined by a match that I can't believe I haven't seen, a match that I would really love to see. Open the Dream Gate title match, Masaki Mochizuki defending against Big R Shimizu. And then finally last year, a show that at least was on the Dragon Gate Network at some point. I do not know if it is there now. But a show that had all sorts of fun stuff with Yo Watanabe and Shun Skywalker against Kota Minora and Yuki Yoshioka. UT and Yamato versus Eita and Pac. And the main event, Dragon Kid defending the Open the Brave Gate title against Asumu Yokosuka. So just a, a quick history there of what this show is. Uh, what this show can be, I think this card is right on par with the best of any of these Memorial Gate cards, and I'm really excited to see what comes of it. 
Yeah, and you really hit on the uh, big matches on there, but Memorial Gate, as like it was like this unique kind of show, had a lot of outsiders come in for a long time. Now that that's not the case right now, but like you'd see like I think like Asha Kong was on one of the shows, like back one of the ones that I had a DVD of. It just was like this really kind of menagerie of things. The best like comparison I can make is Gate of Origin. If you've watched Gate of Origin, which is their annual Sendai show, it's a big show. It's not considered one of the big five shows or what they call like the major matches on the network, but it's up there. It's kind of like the step, as you, you mentioned with like the Dead or Alive previews, this is like the significant step towards Dead or Alive before basically the Corkin that happens right before it and then the TV loop there. So it's a pretty interesting show. It's like Wakayama, I believe, is it's far western Japan, which makes sense for the company. And it's just like a real scattering thing. For people who want to know like a really, really wild thing, uh, look at the 2018 one and look at Cage Match as... One of Shima's last, last matches in Dragon Gate was at a Wakayama show. He flew back in from Shanghai and then flew straight back out because of Wakayama. Yeah, the, uh, the the spring of 2018, we will eventually do an oral history on because it is so confusing to just look at what Shima was doing at the time and what it ended up being. Quickly, just to, to add to your point, uh, yes, Aja Kong was on the 2015 show. She teamed with Minami Toyota against Starkery Chikawa and Yosuke Santa Maria. And the year prior, Starkery Chikawa wrestled Yoshihiro Takayama, and then Takayama doubled up. He pulled double duty, went to the pay window twice, and wrestled Yosuke Santa Maria that same night. Yeah, it's just like, it's like how Gate of Origin have had uh, Meiko Satomura and some of the Sendai girls evolve in Nanei Takanashi on these shows. You, you'll get outsiders on these shows. This year, it's not the case, as it's now a live show. And I, I'm really happy this show's happening. Like, first and foremost, I feel like that if you haven't gotten the idea that I'm excited for this, I'm incredibly excited for this. And it's just like a nice thing that they did their first month of TV shows. We're getting some normalcy. And, it, and if it was going to be like the long wait to... Uh, Dangerous Gate, because Dangerous Gate's going to be late in September this year. Kind of a bummer, like having this like out the, out this, and then we pretty much have two months to build towards uh, uh, Dangerous Gate. I think it's an awesome thing, and then we get a, a card that, as like we looked at it, and as we were talking to people involved in it, it's a really kind of exciting looking card. There's a ton of stuff to like. Uh, a great mix of talent, new and old. And Mike, I'm ready to just full-on preview this thing, and I think we should start with the dark match, because uh, even there, I like the names involved. Yes, the uh, dark match is just listed as tag team match, as we have Punch Tomonaga, who's a member of the Dragon Gate generation, teaming with Jimmy, who's unaffiliated, going up against Ho-Ho Loon, who's unaffiliated, and Sachi Hoko Boy. So another thing about these shows, as like a new viewer, a lot of these people who will show up on this are not necessarily people who are on like weekly Dragon Gate shows, especially not on house shows. Big example of this is we get Sachi Oku Boy, who's basically not really doing a whole lot of Dragon Gate like in-ring matches other than like random house shows. Like nothing makes tapes other than like these bigger events. We get him in the opener or in match zero. Yeah, I, I, Jimmy's in this match. Jimmy has been bulking up since, you know, he's a, a DTU import from the promotion of Mexico. Uh, he stayed in the dojo through all of COVID-19, is still there, has beefed up, and 
I am pumped to watch him wrestle any opportunity I get. And he's here against Ho-Ho Loon, who, as I've said, the best compliment you can give the Dragon System. We've talked for years now about how everybody, from Matt Seidel to Pac to Ricochet to Uha Nation, whenever they come to Dragon Gate, they improve leaps and bounds. In the case of someone like Pac, he went from being very good to being one of the best wrestlers in the world for a decade straight. Ho-Ho Luna, someone that came out of the company, and was not very good at all. Was actually very bad. Ho-Ho Luna now. Perfectly passable wrestler and seems like a delightful human. And that is the biggest seal of approval I can give to the Dragon System. <laughs> and it's interesting with someone like Jimmy. Jimmy is, if you followed my series that I participated with on Voices of Wrestling with Andy Labar, with, with Gerard DeTrolio, and with Taylor Mainborg, we each took like some wrestlers. Jimmy's one of my people on my prospect list just because he comes from like this Gaijin lineage that is so interesting because he originally is from DTU. Technically now, Casey's affiliated with Lucha Libre Vanguardia. We could talk off air about the various intricacies about the DTU and Lucha Libre Vanguardia split. Hey, how's it going? Jurassic Boy, hope you're doing well. But he's really like interesting high flyer. He's someone that's bulked up tremendously. Like he's gone from someone that, I mean, he's in his early 20s and now he went from someone who was like a pretty standard size luchador, at least for someone who would come into the company. And now he's a big old boy now and get him in this match. Tachioko boy, who we don't get to see a whole lot. It's nice to see him here and punch Nagas there. It's, it's a very uh, on brand dark match. If you will, this dark match <laughs> makes sense. Where's the opener match? Number one, some heavy hitters, some big names opening up Memorial gate. Yeah. So, there's only two title matches on this show, so that means that there's going to be some champions who are they're going to be working a little bit down lower. They're going to have other things to do. How about this for a trios team? Dragon Gate versus Toriyamon, six-man six man tag team match. The Toriyamon team is Masato Yoshino, Susumiya Koska, and Ryo Saito. But the Dragon Gate team, the Trueborn team, are the Open the Triangle Gate champions, Ben K, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya and Case. That is, it's Wakayama. You're not going to have like a full slate of title matches, so why not have the the lads come out and open up the show for you? Assuming the main event wasn't on this show, am I reasonable in saying this could have headlined for the for the Triangle Gate titles? This could have been the main event. I think it could have, and I think with like original planning, probably was. I mean. They had that later Masato Yoshino, Yasushi Kanda, and Don Fuji Triangle Gate match that happened during Rainbow Gate, but that was a match that was on the docket for a while. And I think it was a match that was on the docket also because Susumi Yokosuka recently lost the All Japan World Junior Heavyweight title, so he couldn't really drop falls. And now you could have Dragon Daya pick up a fall on the former All, All Japan World Junior Heavyweight Tag World Junior Heavyweight Team Champion. Blah. They do not have junior title, junior tag titles in all Japan, Mike. You know this. And it's just like an interesting match because you also have Masato Yoshino, whose 2020 is sadly coming to a close faster than we expect it. And in the last Wakayama card that he'll participate on, he's going to be going up against Binke, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya. It's really interesting. Yeah, I, I think Daya is the clear-cut favorite to score a fall here. I think whether it be on Susumu, which would be very interesting, or Saito, which would be very practical. 
I, I expect their momentum to keep rolling because as we go along on this show, I think we can sort of plot out where things might go from here. And I do think that this Dragon Gate trio, the current Triangle Gate champions, are going to defend the titles again against the Toriyaman team. But I don't think these three are going to be involved. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways it could go down with this, but like with how things are shaping up for Dangerous Gate and the cards coming up, I don't think Masato Yoshino is going to be involved with that. But match two is another unaffiliated tag match as we have Kai of the Dragon Gate generation and Takedo Kamai, my guy, versus Kagatora of the Toribon generation and Kito Kobune, your guy. So our two rookies are going at it in this match. And I do unabashedly stand Kento Kabune. I will be dropping fan cams on your feed to let all of you know how much I love and appreciate this man. The rookie <laughs> the rookie that debuted in December and uh, got a t-shirt in January, I believe, and quickly became what I think is not a hyperbolic statement when I say the ultimate blue chip prospect in Japan right now. He is less than a year into his career, and if you watch him work, he looks like a mini Yamato. If this was Toriyaman X, he would be Yamato Sito. Uh, there is a, a clear trajectory up the card for him, whereas Takeito Kamai is incredibly talented in his own right, but just doesn't... Uh, Takeito Kamai, I will say this. Takeito Kamai, Takeito Kamai feels like a Dragon Gate wrestler, whereas Kitakabune has that ace mentality, that ace presence, that you could, you know, reasonably slot him into a Noah or an All Japan, and I think he would do well there. But what I like about this match is that it's Kabune squaring off against Kai and Kamai squaring off against Kagatora, and I think those are really good mirrors for their two styles, because, you know, Kai, as we know, uh, someone that adopted, uh, was adopted into the Drangate family, uh, despite not training in the promotion, not really being affiliated in the promotion until two years ago, he now uh, represents the Drangate army better and louder than anybody else. And Kagatora he's so proud. He's so proud of being in this company that when he debuted, I wanted him out. I thought he was everything wrong with the company at the time. I love Kai now. I think Kai is doing such great work in Drangate. He's teaming with Takedo Kamai, who's a bit off-kilter, a little bit different, brings a different approach to the ring, and I think uh, Kagatora is going to be the perfect foil for that. Uh, and Kitakabune and Kai can go out there and hit each other hard. I'm pumped for this match. And it's something that's real interesting. These two guys debuted against each other in December, and you have Kabune's trajectory he's already on his second t-shirt case we shouldn't undersell the fact that this sold kid... out the first t-shirt on the second colorway kento kabune unstoppable yeah yeah and he was another person that made my list he was the person i'm like this guy usually i would not put him on this kind of list this list is for people who had some experience and weren't true rookies but this guy's trajectory is so obvious here that it's going to be if it does not take it's going to be one of those big what if stories to me if if Kento Kabune does not at one time headline a Kobe world, if it's 2025, 2030, because this guy's only 20 years old, by the way. Same with same with Kamai. These are kids that Dragon Gate, as I've said on Twitter and as we've said on these shows, has the most productive and the most successful dojo system in wrestling today. And I, you might be like, oh, Mike, you cover Dragon Gate. That's hyperbole. Wrong, least... incorrect. Mike is about to drop facts over your feelings. Go get a mic. 14 
wrestlers have debuted in Dragon Gate since 2016. Only one of those who are still with the company. There was one wrestler who sadly had health issues and had to retire. The the most recent before Naruki Doi opened the Dreamgate Champion debuted in this time in Ben K. Multiple time champions have done like this. They basically have set up this roster with people from age 20 to I, I think Ben K is the oldest at 29 right now. Of this, they have produced their next generation. They could very easily like turn this three three way generation war to hey, we are the Zoomers could come out here and be a thing, and it's exciting. And you look at this, and there's a reason why Kamai and Kabune they basically decided in December we're debuting these kids now. Usually you don't do that. Usually you have a bigger fanfare. They're like these two guys are ready, and they've debuted three wrestlers since then that are on the trajectory. We're gonna have like this class war going on throughout their entire career of. Kamai and Kabune were the first two that were that were debuted in this overall class. There's other people in the dojo that are going to come out. Some other big stars are in there. There are stories going around the Dragon Gate dojo that are insane. Dragon Gate has the best system for training young wrestlers in the world. If the last 15 years haven't proved it, the next 10 will. And this match is the perfect example of the Dragon system looking towards the future. And that is incredibly invigorating to me, Case. I mean, we've talked about it. There's enough talent on this roster right now to where, and I don't think they ever will, but they could do a brand split if they wanted to because there's so much young talent between, you know, Kabune and Kamai, who we've talked about, and then Sora Fujikawa and Madoka Kakuta and Masahiro Inoue. Is that his name? That is his name. You got it. Got I, it on I, I, was, I, I panicked. I was like, no, that sounds like it would be some old, crusty, all-Japan guy. But no, Masahiro Inoue. <laughs> um, that's, you know, three guys since then, like Mike said. And again, there's 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 at least, a, you know, another name in the dojo, if not more. But there's a lot of rumors circulating right now about one specific person who has yet to debut. So it, it's all bubbling up on the surface. And... Then you think about well, you've got your you know your Dragon Army, your Yamato and your KZ and your Ben K and your Dragon Daya. You know Yamato and KZ in the prime of their career. Ben K, Dragon Daya, Kaisuke Akuda, guys that are are two or three years away from their peak. Not to mention Kaito Ishida, not to mention Ata, uh, not to mention Big R Shimizu. And then you think about the veterans on those roster, your Doys and Yoshinos and Dragon Kids and Yokosukas, and, and to an extent, BB Hulk, even if he's wearing down, I think he still has value. Not to mention Masaki Mochizuki, who is 50 years old and one of the 10 greatest wrestlers of all time, and can still go. They are overloaded with talent right now. They can't even get all of their rookies onto this show because you still have your Sashi Hoko boys and your Punch Tawanagas and your Jimmies that need to get work. It is reasonable to say that Drangate could run twice as many shows as they're running now just to get all of their talent on these shows. There is no company like them. And we look back now, we talked about this two weeks ago. You know, 2015, 2016, it was like, wow, okay, you've got, you know, your, your, your by the way, Shun Skywalker, not on this card. Shun Skywalker and Yuki Oshioka still on excursion. We haven't even factored them in into these plans, which is unbelievable. But we talked about that that Ben K class and just how much potential they had. And, you know, they did it entirely work out. Kats, uh, Katsumi Takashima had to retire. Uh, Yo Watanabe, 
uh, who's now a heel and I think an effective one, but is, you know, the, kind of the lowest guy on the roster. Shun Skywalker has the potential to be a world champion one day. Whether or not the booking will lead him in that direction, I do not know. But also, you know, your L. Lindemann and your T-Hawk and your Takahiro Yamamura, they obviously left the company with Shima in May of 2018. And Eita, we'll talk about him a lot coming up in the main event because he is challenging for the Dreamgate title for the first time in his career. But it seems like we've hit these waves in 2013 and 2014 with the Millennials, 2015 and 2016 with the Ben K generation, and now again, these waves of talent, and they've never entirely lived up to the potential that we might have put on them, but that is only human. The fact is, with Kento Kabune alone, with Kento Kabune alone, not to mention the other four guys, Kamai, Kakuta, Fujikawa, in a way, guys that have clearly shown talent and progression, mind you, in the early parts of their career. This is going to be yet another winning class for the Drangate Dojo. It is unbelievable how much talent is stockpiled in this company right now. And this is just like undercard tag, and it's something that... It's match two! It's the second match on the show, and think about how long... We've talked about this match longer than it will actually be. Yes, we did. Uh, match three, we will not talk about match three longer than it is. It is a Dragon Gate versus Toriumon singles match. KZ representing the Dragon Gate army versus the Toriumon generation member of Yazushi Kanda. And last year, they put KZ and Shun Skywalker on these shows as like the show me matches. Like these, and these were the real breakout matches of 2019 where these singles matches that involved Shun Skywalker, involved KZ, involved Susumu Yokosuka that were on these shows. And it's going to be interesting to see KZ's in the slot here, but we also have Yuzushi Kanda, who is someone that, since he turned face, since he was unwilling to attack Ultimo Dragon last year and has joined his generation, he's been a fun worker for this is, but this is an entirely different stakes when you have someone like KZ, who we've talked about in the past about the style change that's happening in this promotion. He's the person who is the banner waver of the generation. He's the one who led the charge and how the Dragon system has completely changing itself in its own generational shift. And he's going up against the original Rudo of Toriumon, the rudest of the rude, the man who's going to claim power from underneath, Yuzushi Kanda. I don't know how to project this match other than KZ's going to win, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this because there's a lot of ways that can go, but it does seem like that this is a, going to be a match that you know, KZ's going to probably win unless something happens. And I don't know what's going to come out of this, but it's interesting that they're willing to go with this. And this is something that you will not be seeing like at a Dangerous Gate or a Gate of Origin, maybe Gate of Origin, but definitely not a Gate Destiny or Final Gate. Uh, if KZ loses this match, I will quit. I will close my laptop and go back to bed as I plan on watching this show live and live tweeting from the at Open Voice Gate account. Uh, if Casey loses, uh, the live tweeting will cease to exist uh, because I will be so confused and befuddled at the result. I, I, I don't think the result is in question. I do think the post-match is, if, if we're going to go tinfoil hat here, we're going to go full-on conspiracy theorist. Mike, you just mentioned the Shun Skywalker match from Kobe World last year. This is a random singles match that doesn't necessarily fit in just the two names involved. How are these the two guys left over? Like, this match is just very, very confusing, especially because, like, you look at, you know, match five, the Stable Warfare Wakayama Rules match, you're telling me KZ, 
couldn't have been in that match instead of Yosuke Santa Maria. And you could have done a you know a nice undercard match between Maria and Konda here, but instead you put KZ in this spot. Is there any possibility we see the return of perhaps Shun Skywalker, perhaps Yuki Yoshioka, or perhaps both after this match? Uh, I was told to count out Shun Skywalker for 2020. Now, that was something that was told to me way before any of this happened, before COVID was not even a thing. I was told oh, Shun man, Skywalker. Remember when COVID wasn't even a thing? Yeah. You yeah, just want to yeah. sit in that for just a second? <laughs> no, not really. Not really. I'm just going to power ahead. I'm going to the sphere steamrollers here, and I'm steamrolling through this. But I was told not to expect Shun Skywalker back. So I don't. It would be interesting. And if they come back, I think that that puts a lot of more things interesting because then I think you look at the Dragon Gate generation and you're like, okay, a lot of guys here. We need someone over on the heel side. And I feel like I've been hammering that point home. But KZ here is very interesting. Konda does not surprise me. KZ, I mean, he still has one of the most recent Dreamgate title challenges, which, again, COVID, whatever. Steam, steam rolling past X. I'm not going to let that get me down on the show. Do you have any other thoughts on match three before we get into a tag match that is wild? I, I agree. I don't think Skywalker will show up here, but I do think just on the simple notion that there are, is there is essentially no more wrestling in Mexico for the time being. Uh, I mean, Skywalker has worked some true outlaw shows on Excursion, but I, that, that can only... He has his license back. I know his Luchador license is back. There Thank was God. a chance that, that they almost lost it. Yeah, he wrestled out on, at a pool show last month or yes, a couple a, weeks a, ago. A, a, not, a, not, a, not a true backyard wrestling show, but a, a pool show, if you will. Uh, those shows can only last for so long. It wouldn't entirely surprise me if they called an audible and Skywalker shows up here. I don't think it's likely, but I can't rule it out because I ultimately think when the generational warfare is said and done and we have finally said goodbye to these units, the minute that this angle is done, that's when Shun Skywalker waltz right back into the company and is pushed into a main event role. But given everything that's happened, it made me think a little bit that maybe, maybe, unlikely, but maybe Shun Skywalker appears after KZ versus Yasushi Kanda. I mean, I don't know how quarantine goes if you're a Japanese citizen and moving and are returning back. Uh, that match that we referred to was over two weeks ago. So I, 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 I would not bet on this, but I would say there's a non-zero possibility. And I think that's a fair statement to say. Yeah, I think that is entirely fair. Match four, another uh, unaffiliated match. A lot of unaffiliated matches given who's all on these shows, but this one makes sense as on one side, we have the Torimon team of the principal, the the maestro, Ultimo Dragon, teaming with probably his most rowdy early trainee, at least in my opinion, probably his most rowdy early trainee, and Don Fuji as they go against the eldest members of the unaffiliated side of the roster as Masaki Mochizuki tag teams with the 2020 wrestler of the year gamma and bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is like an Ultimo match where Ultimo matches are usually something that at this point it's almost like how you're probably able to name every Penta El Cero M match that happens spot by spot at AAW shows case. You can almost tell that with Ultimo, but this is going to be real interesting because you have a bunch of rowdy guys in here, and I don't. And I think Ultimo might listen to them and say, "Hey, we're going to get wild here." I mean, this is a war offer match essentially. If Janichiro Tenru wasn't so high risk given his age, I would want him sitting on a throne at ringside because although Gamma has never worked war and I did look by the way he sort of fits into that vibe like I'm stunned that there is not some war six-man tag match with Tenru, Lance Storm, and Gamma teaming with one another because Dragon, Fuji, and Mochizuki have all cut their teeth in that promotion. I have no idea what to expect here. I think Mochizuki and Ultimo Dragon is a very dangerous combination for the sheer fact that Masaki Mochizuki might actually break that man in half with a kick. I think we're going to see a lot of Ultimo <laughs> and Gamma together. I think that pairing makes a lot of sense. And then I think we're going to see Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji beat each other up for our perverse pleasure. And quite honestly, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, at this point, as we see Don Fuji in that match in Osaka against Sora Fujikawa, still one of the greatest bullies in wrestling today and he's no, no one's meaner the... no one's tougher no one's meaner he might not always show up but man i would not want to get on the wrong side of don fuji i mean his nickname translated into english has been demon drill sergeant in his 50s or in his 40s <laughs> or in his 30s and he embodies that he embodies that and he's going against the iron man of wrestling the king of the soul of the kicker it's just like ultimo is usually someone that i'm like all right i'm gonna see ultimo and I'll be honest, a lot of times when I see Ultima, I zone out a little bit. But in this match, there's a lot of interesting possibilities. And then we get to our three top-of-the-line matches on the showcase. The first match, and I will give the explanation after I list off the people in this team on this match. This is the three-stable war, Wakayama rules, tornado winning match. Yes, that's a mouthful. I'll explain it in a second. All three sides of the generational war are represented here. Dragon Gate side, you have the ace of Dragon Gate, Yamato, teaming with Yosuke Santa Marita and Keisuke Akuda. Torimon side, you have probably the person who most embodies Dragon Gate and Torimon and Dragon Kid, teaming with his most severe rival, Suji Kondo, and oh yeah, Ginky Horiguchi is along for the ride. In R.E.D., we have one of the more interesting trios on the show, as it's Big R Shimizu teaming up with the Open the Brave Gate champion, Kaido Ishida, teaming up with Diamante. Now, Case, give me one second. I'm going to run down the rules of this match. Please go All ahead. three. The Wakayama rules are as follows. The three teams will participate in a Wakayama-themed lottery before the match to determine the order of entry, either first, second, or third. The match will start as a three-way singles match, so one Dragon Gate member, one Toriyama member, one R.E.D. member. The next member of the match will be 
enter at one minute intervals of each team in the order basically determined by the lottery. The match will then proceed by tornado tag rules until all participants have been entered. The match is single elimination. A team is eliminated when one member is defeated. It is possible for a team to be eliminated before all members have entered the match. So that's all word salad, but from my understanding, and I was basically told, yeah, you're pretty much right on this, this is kind of a war games entry style, but each team can only suffer one fall, and the last team that has not suffered a fall wins this match. And it'll be staggered entry, so it'll be by the six-minute march, everyone will have mentored the match, but you can be eliminated before entering. Now, Case, a lot of things going on here. Yeah, the the rules make sense to me. My question, and Mike, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but if you do, I would like to know it. Uh, it says the three teams will participate in a Wakayama-themed lottery. Now, I don't know a ton about Japanese geography. I know that if it was in Okinawa, the boys would be posted up with their floral shirts and their flip-flops. You might have seen those images floating around on Twitter of the upcoming Okinawa Dragon Gate Tour. But do you know what a Wakayama-themed lottery entails? I do not. I am right now looking at the Wikipedia page for Wakayama. It is a prefecture located in the Kansai region of Honshu, which is the large island, and Kansai is the home region of Dragon Gate. It is... It is on the coast, so maybe there there could be something going along here. They are known for their peaches or their oh, apricots called the yes. umes and hell oranges. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And they have sister relationships with Richmond, Richmond, Canada, not Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, <laughs> British Columbia, Shandong in China, the Pyrenees Orientalis in France, just overall with Florida, uh, Sinaloa, Mexico, and the Galicia. Uh, province in Spain so we could be getting a little bit festive out here you know I mean Florida the the Florida orange is world known at this point the Japanese apricot I mean the Pyrenees I mean forget it this is this is why you subscribe to the network look I don't care if you watch the wrestling you gotta watch the lottery my friends that is what we're here to talk about all right so 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 the lottery odds in theory should be 33 percent for each purse each team here and then it goes down if if you were not picked first then you should have a one and two chance of getting picked second and then you automatically pick who do you got oh god i mean let's just i i'll go i'll go big picture on this because i think okay that's fair that's yeah, fair i'm getting I, a little in the weeds here no, no, i'm too no, excited about this lottery i, I no, now that i'm thinking about the the fruit that's going to be in, possibly involved i am just i'm so delighted but as for the Wakayama Rules Tornado Tag Match, I, I think you got to look at Shuji Kondo. I think he's going to be the focal point, and he's he's proven on the Kobe Sambo Hall Show, or I'm sorry, on the Corkin Hall Show from uh, July, that he has great chemistry with Yamato, and he's proven a few times now that he and Big R Shimizu can bump into each other at full speed, and it's going to continue to be entertaining. I also think Kaisuke Akuda on the Dragon Gate team, Kaito Ishida on the RED team, we've talked about it since March now. These two have been unequivocally involved in the best feud in wrestling this year. Nothing even comes close to the rivalry these two have had. They are going to continue that here. 
And then, you know, Dragon Kid and Diamante, they could have good chemistry. I'd like to see some Horiguchi and Ashida action because they've had a history. Ashida defeated Horiguchi when he challenged for the Brave Gate belt in March and since then has been tormenting Horiguchi when they're in the ring with one another. Yosuke Santa Maria, always a threat to pin somebody. It would not entirely surprise me if Santa Maria pins Shimizu or honestly, even Shuji Kondo. Now, I do not think that's going to happen, but if it does, you will not catch me surprised because I said it might happen here on the Open the Voice Gate podcast. I think the Toriyaman team is coming away with the win. I think these guys are going to challenge for the Triangle Belts at, a, at, a, at an upcoming show. My one reservation, we talked, about when he, we talked about it when he debuted. Shuji Kondo and Dragon Kid once again on the same side. Mike, that just doesn't sit right with me. Is there any it's way? No good. Is there any way, Kondo turns on Dragon Kid here because this just, this 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 facade, if you will, this charade, it can't go on between Dragon Kid and Shuji Kondo for for forever. These two guys hate each other. Yeah. So for new listeners, hi, and also, uh, Shuji Kondo almost killed Dragon Kid in a match. I'm not saying that like as a part of her purbly. He delivered a beating that was one of the most vicious beings in Dragon System history at Kobe World 2004. When he returned this month, everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm going to join the Toriyaman army. It's like, oh, there's an X on the next show. And he's like, I'm joining the, the Toriyaman generation. I can't team with Dragon Kid. That's no good. And then he came out as the reveal, and it seems like that they tentatively put their past behind each other. But you can't, unless something happens... I will always be questioning any time Dragon Kid and Shuji Kondo are on the same team. It could be a random show in Kobe. It could be at Hakata. It could be anywhere. But I question this thing, and I think it's natural to look at this team with a level of of skepticism. And maybe they win here. It seems like that they they'll celebrate with the apricots and the oranges. You know, I mean, they're making have themselves a nice a, a nice smoothie when they get backstage. But you know that as soon as something goes wrong. There is a original that has Dragon Kid's name written all over it. I do think for now they're going to stay together. I think they're going to fight together for a little while longer because, like I said, I think the Kid Kondo Horiguchi team is going to, to lay out a challenge for the Benkei Strong Machine J Dragon Diet Trio. and We are going to get that Triangle Gate match at one of the many shows this August. Yeah, and, you know... Ishida and Okuda. Like, that's something that they're involved in this match. We know this feud isn't over. We know Kisuke Okuda is too angry to let this feud be over. And he thinks that Ishida being involved with him and trying to act nice him, he doesn't trust him, and why should you? So, this is something to be really excited about. We have two title matches on offer in Wakayama on the second. The first match is the Open the Twin Gate Championship match as the champions BB Hulk for and Kazuma Sakamoto representing R.E.D. will be facing off against two guys who seem to really have had their number and Jason Lee and the burgeoning, the Rocket Pact, the, when we talk about the 14 wrestlers who've debuted since 2016, hi, Kota just entering his third year of pro wrestling, the Dragon Gate Army team here. And if there's going to be a title change on this show, this could be it, but it's it's interesting. This match is interesting. Like, I want to say that I think... Uh, R.E.D. loses here. I really want the title to change hands. Do do you think they will, though? Honestly, you know, putting money on it, bet the house, whatever. R.E.D.'s probably winning this match, right? 
I think they're probably winning this match, but I would be much more surprised if they... I'll be much more surprised if they come out of this show with two belts rather than just the Twin Gate belts. I, I'll be more I'll be more surprised if they come out with two belts than zero belts, is what I'm saying. I, or one belt with Ishida, my bad. I understood. I knew what you were saying. I promise. Um, the thing with the Twin Gate titles that just doesn't entirely sit right with me is that if you look at the lineage of these belts... Since May of 2018, which as we know, when Shima took T-Hawk and Takahiro Yamamura and El Lindemann and split from the company, uh, the, the Dragon Gate uh, of May 2018 and of June 2018 and beyond, drastically different places. If you look at the lineage of the titles from then, Big Ben, Big R Shimizu and Ben K, they beat T-Hawk and Eita at Dead or Alive 2018. They lose to BB Hulk and Yamato at Kobe World 2018. And the names here are what's important. It's Big R Shimizu, it's Ben K, it's BB Hulk, and it's Yamato. Hulk and Yamato, they hold the belts all the way until Final Gate when Hulk gets hurt. They have to relinquish the titles in a four-way tag match to see who's going to be the new champions. Big Ben, Ben K and Big R Shimizu, they win once again. Now they're heels, but they're still holding the belts. Kai and Yamato beat them in April of 2019, and then they lose to Big R Shimizu and Eita at Kobe World. Shimizu and Eita hold them through Final Gate 2019 when BB Hulk and Yamato finally beat them for the belts, but then Hulk turns on Yamato, and Hulk and Sakamoto beat Ben K and Yamato at Cork and Hall in January of this year to win the belts. But for two years now, it's been Ben K, Big R Shimizu, BB Hulk, Yamato, Kai. Those are the names. It's an unrelenting just lineage of, of these teams, and there's been great Twin Gate matches in that time period. There has been great Twin Gate matches, but the champions have been largely the same, and I think the right move is Jason Lee and Kota Minora leaving Memorial Gate in Wakayama with those belts. I think if you're going to do this big old push for Coach Minora, he's going to go into time limit draws with veterans like Susuma Yokosuka, and then he's going to win matches. He's going to win the main event of an Osaka number 2 show and then look dominant in the opening match of the Cork and Hall last July, this, this past July, three weeks ago, whatever it was. They've got to pull the trigger. They've got to do this to establish this push, not as a tease, but as a full, uh, just uh, re- not even revival, arrival of Kota Minora as a big-time player. I think they need to win this match. I hope they win this match. I just don't think they will. Yeah, and especially you talked about Kota Minora, and I'm going to touch on him just really briefly about this. You take a look. We, we've talked about his generation. We've talked about people in the generation a lot this episode. Right now... He's the uh, most recent debutee who's not a rookie to have not held a championship. He always held the championship. Ben K has held multiple championships and is a former Dreamgate champion. Dragon Daya is the current Triangle Gate champion. Strong Machine J is a two-time Triangle Gate champion and the reigning rookie of the year, according to Tokyo Sports Magazine. Let, let us not forget. Let us not forget. I mean, we, we cannot. Th- he better have a move called Rookie Award like Saki Akai. I think that <laughs> needs to happen. But we look at Jason Lee. Jason Lee is a wrestler that you might be familiar with him if you're not familiar with Dragon Gate. 
He was in the Cruiserweight Classic in 2016. The same one that had Hoho Loon, the same one that had Akira Tozawa in it. He came aboard soon after in 2017, won the Triangle Gate Champions, and has been like such a prominent force. He's now the first person in a long time to be a gaijin to get a four get a full-time contract like flamita was never under a full-time contract i think the, the last gaijin that really was might have been swan it might have been swan uh, may, I, either swan or ricochet i would think but i guess ricochet swan, swan sure. debuted afterwards yeah. yeah okay so yeah swan probably yeah so he is for all intents and purposes a dragon gate trueborn in a lot of ways and he's been someone that's been such a great figure on some of the shows during the lean times. We, we remember the lean times where it would have been Jason Lee teaming up with uh, Benkei and and Katoka versus a, a team of Antios. And it would just be like really grimy. But then you get like these little flashes of Jason Lee. He had immediate crowd connection. He had all these things here. And the idea of Jason Lee semi-main eventing a big show in Dragon Gate and winning the Triangle Gate Championship would be such a powerful moment. And I know that you said that like they should, but they're not going to. I think I talked myself into thinking this is going to happen. I think I think Torimon, I'm not Torimon, I think Dragon Gate Army wins this match and we enter a new area of the Twin Gate Champions because I think Jason Lee and Kodaman Nora have some incredible chemistry that we're only seeing, like, we're just dipping our toe in the water right now. They've only been teaming for a month. Imagine what a title rank could be with these guys, and imagine how further that cements Kota Minora as a guy, and imagine how it is as like a, a reward of achievement for being one of the true bright parts of the promotion during a very lean time and Jason Lee. I want you to be right. I just don't want to get my hopes up. But I, I think your summarization of especially Jason Lee, who is really the prime candidate for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, most underrated, which in Meltzer speak is underpushed. That that award should be his every single year because he's someone who has been given uh, about one big opportunity a year since debuting at the company and always delivers in it. And this is the biggest match of his life. And I think he's going to deliver, and I look forward to it. Just as he always delivers. Always. When, when, when When you call up Jason Lee and you say, hey, Jason, we're putting you in this spot, who delivers and every child, child shot he's had. I cannot think of a single disappointing title shot that Jason Lee has had. And he's not, so. you know, he's not, he's not going to hit a grand slam. But Jason Lee is going to double off the wall when you need it. Okay, that is that is what Jason Lee is. Not an ace, not a superstar, not a slugger. But when you need, when you need base runners, when you need movement, when you need something fresh and exciting to happen, that's Jason Lee for you. You, you either put Jason Lee second or sixth in your batting lineup, and you'll be happy to have him batting second or batting sixth. Am I right, or am oh, I right? I'm right. Mike, that is, that is so good. You are so right. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's the second baseman. He's going to bat second or sixth. I mean, he's, it's obvious. That's exactly it. He is the second baseman. That is, I, we are such on the same page here. I love that. All right. Now, Case, we're getting to the match that's been built up throughout the empty arena era. And pretty much throughout the end of 2019 to date, this has been the match that as soon as Naruki Doi won the Dreamgate title, we had a feeling that this would happen. With Ada being so fixated on Masato Yoshino, we knew that this was still something that was going to happen. We have the Open the Dreamgate Championship match as Naruki Doi will be making his third defense. I say, waiting for a case to confirm, saying that I'm correct in saying that it's his third defense. 
Uh, that God, that sounds right. I was in the midst of a swig of Gatorade uh, and not <laughs> not prepared for this line of questioning. But H- how's the lemon lime tonight? It's actually I went with the um not uh what what's the, I can't read it. I'm sitting in the dark. It's fruit punch, uh, which delivers. Oh. It's you know it, it's not my go to flavor of Gatorade. It is it is firmly an it's not alternate. the ace. No, it's not the ace. This is this is a third or fourth starter because I know he's gonna well, he's gonna give me the quality start. Six innings, yeah, and you know three runs or less, I believe, is the definition to to ape the flagship content and go full voices of baseball here. We're gonna open the the quality start gate. Yeah, fruit punch Gatorade. It's good. It's not what I would want to rely on. If it was the only Gatorade option, I would be a little bit disappointed. But as an alternate, it's great. And this will be Doy's third defense of the title, to answer your question. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, uh, Fruit Punch, you're my AS every day of the, of the week out of the original flavors. But he will be making that defense against the winner of King of Gate 2020. He, he is called El Numero Uno because he is El Numero Uno. It is the leader of R.E.D., Ata, making his first ever challenge of the Open the Dreamgate title after coming up on his 10th year anniversary next year, if I'm remembering right off my head, finally getting a, a, a title shot for the big title, finally being put into a main event for a title. He's had one other big show main event in 2018. It was the hair versus it was the hair versus mask match against Dragon Kid. Case, this has been the company's been somewhat based around this, around stuff with Ada versus the Torimon generation here. We have seen over the last month that Naruki Doi has not just had Ada's number since losing to him in the finals of King of Gate 2020. He has pinned him directly, definitively, and not always just with flash pins, but with his move, the Bakatari sliding kit. And I have to ask you, we've had this kind of buildup are they going to swerve us and actually have Ada win this thing? Or, or are they basically saying, oh, Ada finally gets his number and wins here? Or is Naruki Doi just going to muscular bomb the twerp through the mat? Man, I got a bad feeling about this. I just... Because if Ada wins, it's not going to be clean. And if we've learned one thing from these limited capacity shows where vocal cheering is not only discouraged, but is essentially not... or I, I You know... It, not only just courage, but really not allowed. You're kind of left to clap and stomp. Any sort of heavy heel interference, these these true heat spots that wrestling has relied on for so long, they do not come across well in this environment. And I know Drangate, and if H is going to win this match, he is not going to do it alone. And there is going to be a heat section of the match that just dies a painful death, and it is going to get Ata who has struggled to be a legitimate main eventer since 2014 when they really started to put the rocket on him, it is going to begin a reign of disaster. And I really don't like the optics of that. I'm very concerned that that is what they're going to do. Where I really think the the story here, and a good story at that, is that Doi just kicks his head off. That that Ata, you know, was able to beat him once. Uh, and was able to all right, beat him by twice I think, in King of Gate. I think once on block play and then once in the finals. You know, had his number then, but Doi studied him, Doi scouted him, Doi was not going to get beat for the title. I think that is the right story to tell. My one hang-up here, and I have a hang-up, and then I, I sort of had a, 
a bit of a defense to my own concern. But the one hang-up is that Naruki Doi, after this, does not have an immediate challenger. But right. if you look at the schedule, they're not going to throw a Dreamgate match on the September Corken Hall show. There is just there there is there is no need to. I'm sorry on the on the August Corken Hall show. And then if you just look at the calendar and you look at these events and you see, you know, what what would make sense? Where would the next Dreamgate match be? Well, it's not going to be, you know, on August 9th in Osaka 2. It's not going to be August 12th in Corken Hall. They moved to September maybe they could do it at a Corkin, you know, September 9th, Corkin Hall. I guess you could do a Dreamgate match there. They're running a doubleheader in Osaka number two on the 12th and the 13th. Reasonably, you are going to need a big match on both those nights, especially if you're running an Osaka doubleheader, to fill that venue even at a limited capacity. But that's, you know, that's got Triangle Gate match written all over it. That's got tw- uh, Twin Gate rematch written all over it. It doesn't have to be a Dreamgate match. So assuming... Doi doesn't defend the title there. You look to September 21st, well, that's Dangerous Gate. The main event of that show is already decided. It's a six-way cage match with Masato Yoshino and Yamato in it, the two real draws in the company. So Doi's not going to, you know, have a Dreamgate match on that show. There's no reason for him to. You move Or to, a high-level Dreamgate yeah, match. Yeah, you, you move to October. Now, we both think, or at least I think, I believe you think this way as well, that Kobe World, given the schedule, is going to be moved to October because there's no big shows. The only thing on the calendar right now is October 7th at Corken Hall. So you're looking at the next defense as maybe it's an October Kobe World Show, or maybe it's November 5th Gate of Destiny. I'm sorry, I think that's November 2nd Gate of Destiny in Osaka. So there are there are literal months here to play with to build up a challenger, whether it's a KZ rematch or it's Shuji Kondo somehow, or it's, you know, another member of R.E.D. Maybe it's Masaki Mochizuki who's unaffiliated. The fact is, there's so much time between the next big show that I'm not sweating the fact that Doi doesn't have an immediate challenger coming out of this. If KZ hadn't lost in February, the the result would be obvious. It would be KZ challenging for the belt afterwards. But I think KZ's out of the equation. I don't know who's next if Doi retains, and I really don't have a good feel on it. But given the length of time between the next big show, Doi has to retain here. He just has to. Well, I'll tell you who he will defend against in Tokyo at Oda City Gymnasium. It'll be against Takashi Yoshida. Come on. That's the kind of stuff they love. I mean, I'm not... No, Mike, no. I, I, I mean, I don't like being the bearer of bad news, but don't you see that being very apparent? Like the, the, that's that's the kind of shit they love doing. So I, I I am with you though. Like it's not an immediate thing of looking at who's next there, and there's a lot of things that are down the pike for them. That Mochizuki is the obvious one to me after this. I mean, there's a lot of ways to play that up there. I mean, you could even we haven't even had a single Torimon Generation challenger really. I mean, Susumu had a, t- a challenge, but you know no this is this is yeah this is still defense three i almost forgot i was discounting that but there's a lot of ways to go for this at least for the future i'm still 25 percent thinking that it's going to be ada winning i mean that's not a good chance you don't bet on 25 percent odds to turn up but it's this big looming question and it's the looming question that exists when it's very clear 
what the obvious thing for Ada for the rest of the year is, right? He's going to be the one that gets Yoshino to retire. Like, that's the bigger thing than him winning the Dreamgate title is him taking out the ace of the company and finally being the person that after months of wanting it, he finally takes him out. And you could have that happen at Gate of Destiny in November in Yoshino's hometown in front of a larger crowd. So, there's just so many different, like, variables into this. I, I think the, the, the one consistent, though, is that Ato losing the title, or I guess losing the match and not, and not winning the title, is a far more interesting route because you either have the Yoshino possibility that you mentioned, or he might turn face uh, and get turned on by R.E.D. in the cage match in Tokyo in September. I think either of those is a realistic possibility, and I think those are far more interesting than what an Ata versus KZ title match. Who cares? Like I, I, I think there's so much more, uh, just intrigue, in what Ata can do without the belt. Because I think Ata slotted in this position for the rest of his career. He's finally found a safety net, and man, him being elevated that one extra pedestal. I just don't see that working out well for anybody involved. And he's still a young guy. Like, that's the other thing is you don't traditionally win your first Dreamgate shot. It took Benkei two shots. It was on his third shot that he won the Dreamgate from Pac. KZ now has had three shots and has not won. BB Hulk had more Dream Keys than anyone in company history before he finally won at Kobe World. This is not the end for Ada, but this is not the beginning of his big story. I think his big story, if he turns face, starts in September. And I think that that's a very obvious thing, especially when we talk about what stuff we already know that's going to be on offer after the show. But this is interesting. This is like, I remember us talking about Final Gate last year. And I remember me being so certain that Benkei was not going to lose. And I can't shake that feeling. Like, I've had that happen to me once. Could this happen to me again? And that's what I'm left wondering, Case. Like, could Ada be, could this be it for Ata? Could he be doing this? And I just can't shake that thought. It's, it's not impossible. It wouldn't shock me if it happened. But I really, really don't think it's going to. Yeah. And that's Memorial Gate. What a card. <laughs> what a card. Like, this is a... Again, uh, even after talking about this show for like the last 45 minutes, still nothing but legit bangers. And after that, just we have what's going to be happening in August. We'll have more more thorough cards, and we'll cover these shows more thoroughly as we get to it. Of course, August 2nd on Sunday at 3 p.m. Japanese Standard Time. That'll be 2 a.m. for people in Eastern Standard Time. That's, that's, 7 a, that's a tough, tough get-up. 7 a.m. where? 7 a.m. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time. And then a nice eleven o'clock on the West Coast. Oh man, like, that, that that two a.m. I look. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up and watch the show. I'm gonna do what I can. Uh, that two a.m. is tough. That is, I I will be requiring an energy drink and some Twizzlers to get through that. We are a Twizzler podcast, not a Red Vine podcast. No, and if you're a Red Vine person, why don't you rethink your actions? Okay, how about that? <laughs> just get lost. <laughs> but I'm just now imagining. Imagine like getting yourself ready at eleven o'clock for this hot show, pouring yourself a nice cup of tea, and like getting tucked in with with 
Gate with Memorial Gate 2020 in Wakayama. How nice must it be just to tuck yourself in with that show? Like that would be that would be the life. I'm just imagining like living on the West Coast, maybe in San Diego, having my uh, my windows and my balcony open. You know, so I get a nice sea breeze coming in off the coast. I have a nice house coat on. I have my glasses on, and I'm just like sitting in like a recliner with like a nice soothing cup of chamomile and just watching what's going to be an absolute banger of a show. If Wouldn't that be if nice, guys? Proposing we both move to San Diego, I will hear you out on that because I know even <laughs> if if the VoiceGate compound occurs and Mike Spears and I are posted up in San Diego. When Memorial Gate comes on, I know we're watching the show in opposite rooms. <laughs> it's, yes, we're no, not. Entire, we're not hanging out. We are. We are in the same house. We are together. We are together alone, mind you, because we are both <laughs> kicked back with the laptops by ourselves, not sharing this hobby with anybody else. Even though we know we're going to talk about it later, we are watching the shows alone. And I'm, I just have a very strong visual right now of like me, like as the old man like getting ready to like tuck myself into the show i have my notebook out ready to take notes my phone's nearby in case i need to to fire off a tweet and then case probably is going to be listening to a lot of jess jeff rosenstock leading up to this show pounding an energy drink has all the uh, twizzlers ready like standing and pacing i'm just like being really soothing in case is just ready to pace in his room i gotta say when i watched the kbs hall shows live i i drank an energy drink that night for the first show and it really did a number on my just my entire body and i i you know I have like a Gatorade next to me while I'm drinking it and I had a water too and I still I woke up the next day and I was so dehydrated and it just felt like my body had completely shut down on me. <laughs> I cannot believe these things are legal to sell. They are so destructive. Now, obviously, a great tool. I will continue to drink them for the sole purpose I only drink them like a normal person when I stay up to watch Japanese wrestling live. That's a normal thing to do. Let's normalize this society. But Oh my god, the next day, and for like the next two days after, I just felt completely drained of any liquid in my body. I had nothing left. I felt really, really weak the next day. And I'm going to do it all over again, because it's Dragon Gate, it's Memorial Gate, uh, beauty is pain, and, and I think this is going to be a beautiful show. I look forward to it. And it's just the start of a beautiful month. So, leading off August, we have that, of course. August 8th, they return to Kyoto KBS Hall. On, at 6 p.m., so that's actually a... I actually can get up and watch that. Uh, on August, the next day, they're going to be in Edeon 2, so for another televised show. And then on Wednesday, so within four, within a week, they have four televised shows, as on Wednesday, August 12th, they will be in Tokyo Cork and Hall. August 15th, they will be in Kobe Sambo Hall. And then they take a week off. They will be, there is another show on the docket that will be not taped, and there's a show, show on August 10th that's not taped. Which is kind of weird. They never taped Nagoya. I've always found that kind of weird. But anyways, on the 23rd, we come back with their first Fukuoka doubleheader. They'll be at a cross Fukuoka for a afternoon-evening doubleheader. One at 5 p.m. Uh, Japanese Standard Time and one at 1 p.m. And then they're going to go off for a couple of days. And then they'll end up the month in Kobe Sambo Hall. So as Kay said and hammered home, we've got eight shows coming up. And that's going to be absolute madness. We do have two matches that were set up or were finalized at Kobe Sambo Hall. We do have the main event for Oda City Gymnasium on September 21st for Dangerous Gate. 
I know it's not very popular in Nagoya, but the cage steel cage match will be in Tokyo this year as it's a six-way match. Yamato, Kai, Yoshino, Ada, BB Hulk, and Shimizu. We don't know the full rules yet. We do know that there is like an entrance order. They're really big on entrance orders this year. That happens a lot. And the entrance order will be decided at the Road to Dangerous Gate special six-way match. This was a match that was supposed to happen in March, but it's happening in August at Tokyo Cork and Hall. It will be the main event with those six men. And then they will be deciding after the match, after the order of eliminations, everyone will do a blind draw. We're getting a key adventure match of all things, basically, where there's going to be six. The the six neutral uh, ring posts or turnbuckles will have cards that say one through six. If you win the match, you get to have first pick going all the way down. And that indicates your order. As for what we know for the uh, cage match at Oda City Gymnasium, in case, correct me if I'm wrong, they will enter on that order, then they will do it at a staggered order. So one and two will be in, then three will enter after five minutes, four will enter after four further minutes, five will enter after three minutes, and then six will enter after another three minutes as well. So basically, the first 15 minutes will have staggered entry, but the thing is, is that for new listeners and fans, the cage match is not traditionally done by pinfall or submission. It's done by flag capture. They will have flags on the top of the cage. If you've seen GIFs on, on wrestling Twitter happen from Dragon Gate where it's the, a wild cage match where there's like water guns and rubber bands and a soccer ball machine, this is the match. They all try to reach the flag, but the thing is is that with each entry, they'll be putting out more flags. So it's very possible that in 15 minutes, the last person enters, and there's only one flag left. And that's what we know so far. Further rules and risk stipulations will be announced. And oh, that's what we have on the docket case. Yeah, we'll be talking much more about the cage match uh, as we as we build to it. And we'll have a full preview of that Cork and Hall show when the full card is announced, which will be uh, next week. I'm assuming we'll double up and do a Memorial Gate review and a Cork and Hall preview. And that is what to come. And this is only the start in August. We'll have uh, weekly updates likely throughout the entire month. I'm pumped to be covering the company again. Kyoto KBS Hall on the 8th, Osaka number 2 on the 9th. That's that's going to be a really fun doubleheader. And this is Dragon Gate. And we got Memorial Gate coming up. It's a huge show with a huge main event. And like I said, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, Mike Spears. I'm pumped up. And if you aren't pumped after this, about 100 and – or not 100. I'm sorry. Almost hour and a half. I look at my timer, and I see one, and then like this. I think it's, it's 100 minutes. No, we've been going for about just under an hour and a half. But if you aren't pumped by this hour and a half of preview, there will be more stuff up on Voices of Wrestling there will be a written preview up, Case. I know you have already prepared yourself for the written recap, and we'll be back next week to talk about it. I mean, this is the first real big show of Dragon Gate post-COVID. Like, how can't you be excited about this show looking at this card? At the very least, interesting things are afoot in Dragon Gate. I completely agree. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case. You can follow the uh, Open the Voice Gate account that both Mike and I tweet from at Open Voice Gate. I will be attempting to live tweet Memorial Gate from there. And you can find Mike on Twitter at Fujiheya with two eyes like Don Fuji. And Mike, I think that is all the plugs for this week. That is all the plugs for this week. We will be well, we will be around so much. We, we want to make sure everyone's hyped up for the show as we are, but 
For Case, I'm Mike, and that's going to do it for this episode of Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back next week to talk about Memorial Gate 2020 in Wakayama. Take care, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.